Welcome back to the Volunteer State, a 2-0 edition of the Volunteer State after Tennessee's win against Pitt last weekend. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, John Adams and Adam Sparks. Adam, you were in you were in Pittsburgh for that win Saturday, and I want to get into some implications of that in a bit. But first off, I called it a a grimy victory. I was thinking about labeling it as as gritty, and I guess in some ways it was, in other ways it was grimy. But you know, they all count the same. So an important victory is is maybe what it was more than anything for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, this is how much the the pendulum can swing. I suppose if they if they lose that game in overtime, it just confirms that they have not taken a step forward from last year because last year's pit game very winnable. They couldn't finish it off, so you, you're really talking about you know just a couple of plays. But those couple of plays mean a whole lot. The fact that this was on the road, the fact that they played terribly and bounced back. I, I do think the difference between, and I'll probably write about this this week, I think one difference between this team and the team last year is that last year, if Hendon Hooker didn't play well, we wondered if he was going to come out of it. Now, he didn't have many times when he didn't play well last year, but you were wondering if if it would get better. I think now it, you assume any mistakes that he make makes are going to be temporary. So he was high on two or three throws early. I think he started two of eight. He overthrew at least one touchdown. And we all looked at that and said, well, that'll get better. And and it did. Cedric Tillman dropped at least one, maybe two touchdowns. And we said, yeah, but this is Cedric Tillman. It, 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 he'll, he'll fix that. It'll get better. And then he, you know, has a 61-yard catch that initially went for a touchdown, ended up leading to a touchdown. Then he has the game-winning catch. I, I think it it does show more certainty in this team that last year we wondered, are they going to kind of get through this? Are they going to pull this game out? And now we, we assume a little more that things are going to turn around it. And they did. I think that's just the difference in a first year coach and a second year coach and a, uh, you know, first year players and second year players. I think we're, we're starting to see them turn the corner. Uh, we're not going to get many answers beyond that in the Akron game this week, but we may see further answers in the Florida game next week. Blake, what was interesting to me about the Tennessee Pitt game is the different expectations for Tennessee's unit. I, I got a number of emails complaining about the offense. It still managed to score 34 points, albeit in overtime. And you point Adam pointed out some of their flaws, but the expectations are so high. For the offense, if they're under 40 points, it's kind of like, who were those guys? Whereas with the defense, if they aren't if they aren't flattened by the opposing offense in a relatively decent te- by a relatively decent team, people think, oh man, that defense really rose up. And I I, I looked at it the same way, like so many other people. I commented about how the defense made key plays and played well, but the expectations are so low for those guys. In reality, it was facing a backup quarterback who was limping in in the second half. So it's funny how the, the difference in perception of those two units is. Yeah, And, and another thing I believe you wrote in, in your column, John, was in your mind, this was a ranked opponent 
on the road that Tennessee beat. Well, that's that wasn't in your mind. That that was real. But in your mind, this was a mediocre pit team, I believe. You you, you yes. wrote, and I and I think based on what we saw, particularly with their backup quarterback in the game, I, I think it's hard to argue that that was a a mediocre pit team. And yet, you know, when you look at Tennessee's schedule, you think, okay, I, you know, there's probably only a, a few teams that are going to be demonstrably better than, than Pitt, um, you know, given Tennessee's fortunate position in the SEC East. South Carolina's not looking any, like anything special so far. You know, Florida came back down to, to reality. I mean, I think we all agree that'll be a tough game in a couple of weeks, given its its rivalry status and what Florida's done historically. Uh, but still, there's, uh, you know, other than Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky's two and zero. I mean, it's it's not like there's a ton of teams on this schedule where you think, oh, okay, now the Vols should be scared of X, Y, and Z. I mean, I guess X and Y, Georgia and maybe Alabama. But point being, even even though this was maybe not as good of a pit team as last year, not maybe, definitely not, still a still a, a solid win, I, I think, yeah. I do think it's also interesting of how we're looking at this pit team because we're comparing it to last year. When I was walking out of Acrisure Stadium the other night uh, in Pittsburgh, I walked a little ways with one of the pit beat riders, and, and I asked him what he thought about this team, and he said, eh, it's not as good as last year, obviously. Defense is still really good. Uh, you know, there's issues on offense, and – you know, a lot of it depends on how healthy that Pitt team is. But Pitt is still ranked this week. So despite Tennessee beating that team, they're still in the top 25. And I was asking this Pitt beat writer how, how he thought they would be. And he said, well, you know, they don't, they're probably going to win out for quite a while, for at least like the next month or so. There's not really a lot of teams that are going to give that, – that, that he thought they would lose to over the next four or five six games. And uh, I remember the last thing he told me was, he said, this is not a great pit team, but they'll still go nine and three. Hmm. And, you know, the ACC is doesn't have much depth to it. So this I, I don't think this win is going to be diminished over time. I think Pitt's probably going to maybe eight and four, nine and three. With that record, they're probably going to stay in the top 25. I don't think this is a win that we're going to say, well, when Tennessee beat them, they were a ranked team. I think we're going to say, Pitt's a ranked team, and and Tennessee beat them, and I think they're gonna they're, they're gonna stay in the top twenty five. This win's probably gonna look just as good a couple of months from now as it does now. That doesn't look like a nine win team to me, but then you put it in the within the context of the ACC. I've watched a few teams play in the ACC, and yeah, I guess that is realistic. But when West Virginia and Pitt played, I thought West Virginia was the better team, uh, even though it lost the game. Then look what happened Saturday. Kansas beats West Virginia. It's really hard to predict from one week to the next what's going to happen and how good or bad somebody is this early in the season. I do think sometimes we compare these teams to, well, you know, like where would Pitt be in the SEC? Uh, would they be like middle of the pack? Would they be bottom third? I think it's it's better if we're judging Tennessee against them to break it down offense, defense, and so on. Um, offense, they obviously had their issues when Keaton Slovis, Slovis was knocked out of the game, which Tennessee did, so give them credit. Uh, they, they, they dropped off pretty significantly on offense. But that pit defense last year and this year is, is goes toe-to-toe with most of the defenses, I think, in the SEC. And I wrote about it this week that 
if you look at Josh Hopple's 15 games as Tennessee's coach, the Tennessee's worst offensive performances have come against, in terms of rushing yards and total yards, have come against Alabama, Georgia, Pitt, and then Pitt again. Hmm. And if you look at those numbers in that way, and, and, and by the way, there's only, only twice that Tennessee has gone a full half without a touchdown. That was against Florida last year, and it was against Pitt this year. If you just put up those beside each other and say who has been the best defensive teams, just judging from Tennessee's games, who have been the best te- defensive teams on, uh, on Tennessee's schedule, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Pitt, and Pitt. And I think that says a lot for the fact that Tennessee struggled against them because maybe Pitt's defense is just that good. Yeah, and Pat Pat Narduzzi's had some really good defenses over the years, and um, you know he he sounded confident coming into the game that he had you know a, a handle on on how to go up against Josh Heupel's offense. He saw it at UCF, um, and and then he's obviously seen it now second year in a in a row here, and and uh, you know regardless of which they could do Narduzzi. Otherwise, he could be a little prickly sometimes. I, I find him somewhat entertaining uh, at times, but he but he is a, a pretty good defensive mind and, and fairly well respected on on that side of the ball. Um, all right, guys, let's let's move on to what this this means for Tennessee going forward. I mean, it, it unlocks the path to an undefeated. Uh, September certainly the possibility for it. I mean, we're not going to get into the Tennessee Akron game really on Saturday because, frankly, uh, there's there's no other way to position this other than it's almost certainly going to be a blowout win for the Vols. So, I mean, Akron's one of the worst teams in in FBS. There, there's there's better FCS teams than the Zips. So we're not going to, we're not going to spend much time on, on that. But, and, and then there's, there's Florida in, in a couple weeks, but you know, the, the path is, is there to an undefeated September in a, in a big season. And so Adam, you pointed out to me the other day that one prognosticator, Jerry Palm, who does bowl predictions for CBS sports has predicted Tennessee into the sugar bowl. Now, the caveat, of course, is that bowl predictions after two weeks are a bit of a fool's errand. But we have Texas A&M that's already lost to Appalachian State. If the SEC can get two teams in the playoff, Georgia and Alabama can both make the playoff, how realistic do we think this idea is that Tennessee could have a Sugar Bowl team on its hands? Well, I mean... I think this is sort of a study in, in maybe how media look at things differently. Uh, the the 10,000-foot um, perspective, sort of the national perspective, which is where Jerry Palm's coming from, and the local beat writer columnist, the perspective that we're coming from. I think usually a beat writer or somebody that covers the team uh, locally, you know, seven days a week can either overestimate what they see or underestimate what they see. I've, I've usually been a little bit the latter. And I think it, when you're close enough, you can see sort of the warts of a team, critique them a little closer than, than maybe a national perspective. And I think maybe that's a little bit of the case here, because my first impression when I when I saw that was, wow, Sugar Bowl, you, that, that means you think that Tennessee is the third best team in the SEC, just just a half a step behind Georgia and Alabama. That's my first impression um, because I'm looking at it and saying, well, that defense played played good the other night, but 
Uh, still got some issues on defense that that offense struggled the other night. So, or do we know it's going to be there every game? Um, Florida, they've beaten Florida once in 17 years. So, can you count on them being beating Florida? Kentucky's still good. You got to go to to LSU and win, win in Tiger Stadium. That's the local perspective, I think, or at least at least mine, because you see the warts and you can pick out maybe where they would get tripped up, even if it's just once or twice. The national perspective, I think, maybe is for better or worse, maybe more logical, which is, uh, you know, to be the third best team in the SEC, they would need to beat Florida. Well, Florida's at home. For, forget what the, the series looks like. Florida's at home, so you should win that game. Um, Kentucky's good. Yeah, but Kentucky's at home. You should win that game. You're going to Tiger Stadium. Yeah, but LSU looked like they were a very flawed team in the Florida State game. Uh, Tennessee is has an experienced quarterback, an experienced offense, a proven offense. They're in year two of Josh Hopple. Um, they're the better team. So they'll go to LSU and win. So I, I think that's the differences that we're seeing. I think it, it is easier, maybe even for the fan base, to look at Tennessee and find some flaws in it and maybe be hesitant to think that they could be this good uh, this early in Josh Hopple's tenure. But there is some logic behind saying that they could be, and, and I think that's where a lot of the predictions are coming from. I think Sugar is – I mean, if Tennessee is 10-2, and two, yeah, they're probably – Sugar Bowl sounds legitimate. If they're 9-3, and three, that's also plausible, depending on how other things fall. But I, I, I think it's a little out there for right now. I think the predictions of Citrus Bowl, which would probably be the fourth best team in the SEC, I think that seems – maybe uh, a little more plausible, but you know, th- if they, if they beat Florida, that can, their chances of those higher end bowls are certainly a lot better. And if they were to beat Florida and then win at LSU, it almost becomes more probable than improbable. I guess I look at it as uh, Georgia, Alabama, clearly the best. Uh, and I think Arkansas is the third best team. Uh, I think Arkansas can give Alabama quite a tussle. It did already last year. Now, hold on, hold on there, John. Did did I hear you correctly say Arkansas is the third best team after your offseason mocking me for for saying such things? I become a a different person during oh, okay. the regular season. That was the preseason, John Adams. This is the regular <laughs> season, John Adams. Okay. Okay. It's, All right. Sorry. Yeah, but go yeah. go ahead. Completely different people. Well, well, it's Uh, nice to meet the new John Adams. Yeah. (laughs) Good seeing you, too. Uh, Arkansas, I think, is the third best team, but Arkansas' schedule is too difficult. Uh, I think it will lose at BYU, for example. I just think in the rating, I could see Tennessee right now, if I said, okay, who will be the third best team at the end of the season, I would put Tennessee there, but I kind of wonder about Ole Miss. I'd like to see Ole Miss against better competition, but I've been impressed with its dominance so far. LSU is not as good as I thought it would be. A&M is not as good as I thought it would be. South Carolina is not as good as I thought it would be. Uh, Mississippi State's better than I thought it would be, and I'm I'm really curious about the Mississippi State-LSU game this week. I think that will tell us a lot. Mississippi State playing on the road in Tiger Stadium, that's a game LSU is supposed to win. And 
I'm not sure it will. The odds makers have Mississippi State by two po- by two points. So, uh, got to yeah. There's a lot to see, but I can see the optimism uh, toward Tennessee right now. When you look at the schedule and look how it's played so far, um, I, I do think uh, to Adam's point, the emails I get from Tennessee fans. A lot of them are, they point out these flaws. They point out their concerns. I mean, they're really happy that Tennessee's doing better, but it's almost like, eh, I don't know if I want to get all in on these guys. Well, maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's because Tennessee fans have been fooled before, right? You know, I mean, yeah. you, you go back to Jeremy Pruitt's <laughs> tenure. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't even do that but we got to use history if we're looking to explain fans feelings i think i think we have to use history as as a guide a little bit and you know pruitt got off to such a bad start in his second season then they you know then tennessee recovered they they beat auburn on the road they beat a, a highly ranked kentucky team at home and i think there was there was reason especially the fan base to believe Hey, this thing's going to be all right. We're heading in the right direction here, and in fact, it was a smokescreen. They weren't they weren't headed in the right direction, <laughs> um, you know. And, and it all became revealed in, in the next year. Now, I'm not saying that's what's at play here. Um, in fact, I think it's to the contrary. I think you know Tennessee is is ascending. I don't know if they're ascending to Sugar Bowl level. I still think that's lofty. I think to get to the Sugar Bowl you can't have any slip ups. Like you lose to Georgia, Alabama, and then you have to beat all these other games, you know, beating Kentucky at, at home, beating LSU on the road, which I agree LSU's not as good as I thought them to, to be, but I, I still think that'll be a tough game on the road. You got to beat Florida at home. You know, it's like everything has to go right in all those other games and, and they could get to the sugar bowl. I still think that's a, a tough road to go, but now, overall, I think this is an ascending program, but I could understand the hesitancy maybe that you're sensing, John, from some fans because it's like, well, I've, you know, I, I've been fooled before and I'm not going to be so easily <laughs> duped this, this time around, which you know, Tennessee's administrators might be wise to have that thinking in mind too. Like maybe pump the brakes before awarding anyone a lifetime contract, a raise, and increasing their buyout because that's what got Tennessee in trouble just a couple of years ago was Philip Fulmer and Donnie Plowman putting their signatures on a two-year contract extension and a raise and an increased buyout for, for Jeremy Pruitt. Now it worked out okay in the end, thanks to Pruitt's uh, rampant and sloppy cheating that was unearthed. And allowed Tennessee to fire him for for cause, but I can understand the the cautiousness, I guess, from the fan base and saying we're optim, want to be optimistic, but eh, can't can't be all in yet. I, I do think there's a factor that that John also uh, mentioned there too about uh, non conference games because John, you mentioned that you know Arkansas has to go to to BYU. Um, you know, non conference comes into this when you get to the end of the year and you're just talking about bowls. It's not necessarily reliant on what the conference standings are. Um, your your overall record does factor into that. And you know, Arkansas is going to BYU. A and M already lost to App State. That's a non-conference loss. LSU lost to Florida State. That's a non-conference loss. I think Ole Miss has to play Georgia Tech this week. Kentucky would have to play Louisville at the end of the year. That's a rivalry game, so you never quite know 
what to think about uh, about those types of, of matchups. But Tennessee has already won its sort of toss-up competitive non-conference game. Some other teams still have to play theirs. Um, you know, uh, Ole Miss actually does not have sort of a, a respite in its second half of the season or like a UT Martin, like like what Tennessee has. They just play back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back conference games, if I remember right. So um, they could could just lose a game or two because of attrition. Um, So Tennessee's schedule actually, aside from the fact that they have to play Georgia and Alabama, which they do every year, um, you know, the fact that they do have their non-conference win out of the way, um, I think does give them a little bit of leg up on some of those other teams that would be competing for them for the so-called third best team in the SEC, which would probably be the Sugar, or the fourth best team, which would maybe be the Citrus. I guess when you when you go back and you, you look at what Tennessee's done recently, it wasn't just with Jeremy Pruitt. Go back, think about Jeremy Pruitt winning the last six games of the twenty season. I get not twenty nineteen, no, yeah, twenty nineteen, and he starts out and wins his first two to start the uh, the next season. So he's won eight straight games, and he's leading Georgia at the half. So Tennessee fans are starting to think, this is for real. This is not just the fact that we've been playing straw men and knocking them over rather easily. We're for real. And, of course, everything just caved in in the second second half. But I, I do think that sticks with Tennessee fans. And even you go back to Butch Jones, Winning the last uh, six games, I think it was in 2015, then coming out and winning the first five of the next season. That is an 11-game winning streak. You beat Georgia and Florida back-to-back, and it's like the Vols are headed for not just the Sugar Bowl, they're, they're headed for the playoff. It's hard to shake that if you're a fan. And, and what has Tennessee done so far? I mean – you know, it's off to two and zero start and beats Florida be four and zero, but I still think there would be trepidation with a lot of Tennessee fans. You know, it would be a different situation, I, I think, if if Tennessee still had to to play Army this week and in, in like a second other kind of difficult non conference game. Although I don't think Army is the team that it's been in some years past. I mean, Arkansas. You know, they played Cincinnati in the opener, and then they had BYU on the road. I mean, Danny White would have canceled one of those games in a millisecond. He's not playing both <laughs> both of those uh, quicker than you could have said uh, Army. He would have had one of those teams canceled and had Akron coming to town. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does, to Adam's point, you know, having already beaten Pitt – and not having another non-conference opponent that can challenge you on on the schedule uh, does sort of change the perception here a, a little bit. Uh, John, I mentioned that uh, Tennessee, of course, was supposed to play Army this week, and Vols fans, uh, of course, know where I stand on that. I thought it was a very shallow and, and short-sighted decision to to cancel Army this week. Do you still hear from from Tennessee fans about that at all? Do you get any sense going into this game? Because I know, you know, maybe more than than anyone, you're you're hearing from from Tennessee fans. You're you're a regular out at the restaurants there in Fountain City, and your your inbox is very active from Vols fans. Do you get do you get any sense that there's any feelings on that? You know, one way or the other, as as Tennessee prepares for Akron this week, or is that all 
water under the bridge for most at this point. Yeah, it, it's pretty much a whole river under the bridge. I, I, I never heard anything about that. It's as though Army never existed. And all along, Tennessee had strategically planned years in advance to take take a shot at Akron from the Mac. And, and now it's worked out well. You know how the narrative changes with this stuff? I mean, if Tennessee had lost to Pitt, maybe fans would be downcast somewhat and say, well, we can't. We can't beat anybody good. That's why they that's why they replaced Army with Akron. We can't win these kind of games. But now they say, hey, you beat a nationally ranked team. We're a different team. And Army couldn't stick with us if they remembered Army. But I don't think they do. That's gone. Adam, before Tennessee gets to 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 Florida, you know, I'm not saying necessarily against Akron, but just in these next this next week and a half here before you get to, to Florida and LSU and the schedule ramps up again, what is maybe the areas that you think stand out most of, I still got questions uh, about this before, you know, before they hop into conference play, you know, they need to use the next week and a half and really address these areas. They're going to really, really need to show that they can run the ball. I would suspect they could run the ball against Akron, but, schematically probably as much as anything for confidence they're going to have to run the ball that's by, by the way if i was a if i was a betting man um i would i would maybe think this this score may be a little lower than uh than what vegas is saying because i do think they're gonna they're gonna hone in on running it between the tackles to gain some confidence there and that may keep the score a little lower we'll, we'll see but um you know jalen Wright fumbled the other night jabari small couldn't get much going um, I don't I don't think there's as much confidence in running with the running backs right now. And and they need to get that back before the Florida game because if they're if they're one sided against Florida, if they can just throw it and do the RPO game, but they're gonna throw it almost every time on RPOs, then that's gonna limit that offense and, and Florida will smell blood in the water uh, of what they that Pitt did. So running the ball on offense, defense, all that they did. Uh, which was what, like 26 pressures and what, 16 hurries and I don't know how many sacks and all that the other night. Th- those were phenomenal numbers. It, it didn't come immediately, but it it, it eventually came. Um, when they face uh, Richardson at uh, Florida, that's sort of a different animal. That's a guy that you have to contain in the pocket. If he gets out of the pocket, he can hurt you. If you keep him in the pocket, um, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. And so I think they're they're going to try their best to be very disciplined in their pass rush this week. It's not just about getting there. It's get, getting there with the correct angle. And if, if they do that well, that will that will pay dividends in the next week against Florida. You're right about that. And, and Kentucky had the defensive game plan to beat Florida. It executed it very well. It kept Richardson contained. He couldn't get outside, didn't make any big plays in the running game. They forced him to throw. So, all right. Well, uh, we won't expect much drama this week when when Tennessee plays Akron, but uh, that could set the stage for a lot of drama the following week when Tennessee will get Florida in the three thirty Eastern CBS game. We'll be back to talk about that next week. For now, thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State. <laughs>